Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. As always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Caleb Cummings, talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 46, titled, Game One is Finally Here, Two Big Visitors. As always, we will begin with the latest in Sooner recruiting news. And unfortunately, Caleb, we've got to begin with bad news for a change. The last couple of weeks, we've been, spent, you know, other than the Winery week, we've been sort of starting with verbal commitments, and it's been always starting on a high note. But uh, as expected, I guess is as good a term as I can use. Dominic McKinley, uh, at his announcement ceremony today, chose Texas A&M over uh, Oklahoma, Texas, LSU. Uh, and Ohio State. So some combination of those teams in some in some order. So, Caleb, I don't want to go too deeply into this because I, I don't think we have a whole lot of real sort of angsty data to really talk about. It was just a weird recruiting. No one really knew where he was going this week. Um, lots of, about three schools thought they were pretty confident about it. Uh, there were no forecasts and predictions until like 9 a.m. this morning, um, that's when they started to started to roll in for Texas A&M. So it's, it's been a weird recruiting. OU obviously did a good job on their official visit at the Barbecue U. If you were on our site, you know OU felt pretty confident coming out of that. But that's really the last time they felt 
really confident. And then we had two dead months in July and August. He only went to LSU at the end of end of July. It didn't look like LSU was really in the top five, if you can believe the various things um, out there. So kind of a weird decision. Um, A&M's done a good job recruiting Louisiana kids. They have quite a few Louisiana kids on their roster. They kind of have a prox, you know, I wouldn't say a prox, huge proximity advantage, but if you were driving, it's 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 four hours to College Station and four and a half hours to College Station, and it would be eight hours to Norman, and I'm guessing, I guess, like six to, to, to Austin, and obviously Ohio State's a, a, a plane flight away. So I think, you know, they had a little bit of a proximity advantage. They have recruited, L- they've recruited Louisiana really well. Um, I'm sure there's an NIL bag in this uh, somewhere in the mix. I'm not sure if that's the total reason why or if it's kind of a, you know, sometimes I think we get a little stuck on the the NIL and forget there are other reasons. I mean, NIL is a portion of it, but there are other reasons kids choose places. Um, Maybe this is one of them. Uh, I don't know that OU is going to have a lot of success continuing to recruit McKinley. Uh, if they were truly the number two team on his list, and A and M has maybe kind of a uh, maybe Bobby Petrino um, rides a motorcycle over Jimbo Fisher on the sideline or something, A and M kind of implodes this off season. This season, I, I guess uh, McKinley can be back in play. But if, if I had to guess at any school that's going to maybe push uh, push for McKinley and maybe have a real shot, it would be maybe LSU. Brian Kelly has LSU, appears appears to have them poised for a good season. Some people are talking about like college football playoff for them, which I think is a maybe a little bit of a stretch. Um, but Kelly, I think that's that's about all we've really got on the McKinley decision. It does it's not it's not like OU, you know, had led for for had been heavily involved for a year. He was kind of a surprise guy that popped up and OU's and OU's actual interest and his level of interest in OU was kind of surprising. So um it, this is a it's a this is a loss, but I don't think this a I don't think of this as sort of the same level bad beat as the Winery situation. Yeah, I don't know. I probably you know I I, I probably I mean I love differ. the kid, but I'm just I yeah. love the kid, but I just from a recruiting sort of perspective, it's like okay, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the reason I the reason I differ on this is uh, you know uh, things tend to I don't think it's that it was an NIL deal. I think, you know, on the up and up, everyone knows the numbers that Missouri was rumored to have been thrown around anywhere from one to $1.25 million, you know, per year while Williams uh, is a part of the tiger program in which they could start payments. I believe now that he is uh, committed and his senior year started. So, I mean, he has to sign some paperwork. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you sign a, uh, a financial aid agreement, right? And they oh, can yeah. begin. Yeah, we don't they know, can we begin. Don't know that, yeah, we don't know that he's done that, but he doesn't have to publicly announce it either. So, yeah. But just the point being, if if he if if that is the if that is the case, and and Missouri is going to pay him, they they could make you know all of year one's payment, a portion of year one's payment, whatever that might be. They could have paid him and his family a significant amount of money, like you know, somewhat life changing money already to this point. The thing with McKinley that I guess bothers me is it's a kid from the boot that Oklahoma got on first by all rumors, by all words, even his and his mother's 
Todd Bates probably had the best relationship with no shot at Texas A&M's defensive line coach, but his track record is, you know, oh, I hate to, I don't want to go there and say this, but it, well, it's there's, not. There's, they're selling it differently than the reality of it. That's for sure. Well, but but everybody does, right? Like, and, and that's and yeah, that's my that's point. Like, to me, that's, that's why. To me, it's why it's a it's a bit of a bad beat. Is uh, well, I mean, the reality is right. You're, you you lost a a five star kid that you you got in on first. You had first. You you know uh, wanted to leave his home state. Was open to it. Super rare for that to occur. And uh, you know, it, it's just reality is like for whatever reason. Don't know why. Maybe he likes College Station more. Maybe he just felt more comfortable in College Station. It is closer, you know, any number of reasons, right? He just wanted to be an Aggie, but you got beat uh, up and up. No, it's a zero sum game. And as Oklahoma's transitioning to the SEC, you had a guy that you could have, you know, that looks like year one rotation, potential first round draft pick, and you didn't get him. Uh, and so to me, yeah, to me, that's where it's like, uh, I get everybody probably looks at it because you got, because Oklahoma got David Stone, uh, and they have Jaden Jackson. It looks like Nigel Smith might be a sooner. Everybody's like, ah, you know, this would have been great. For me, it's just a little bit different. Uh, again, we did this pod earlier in the year, right. And you could roll back and say, Hey, what if Oklahoma would have kept Roy Miller and for that 2008 national title team? Right. And for the 2019, like how much different are they with another? And I know Adrian Taylor was really good uh, and he was really good pre-injury. But, you know, you're adding another, you know, a third round draft pick at your nose guard next to Gerald. It's the difference between, you know, it's, it's winning it's and the, losing it's the margin, in those tight it's the games. Margins. It's the margins, yeah. right? What, and, what it more and, is, and McKinley's and the, going to a, a team that you're going to have to play. Yeah, it's it's. I just mean that it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have the same. Oh, you. It doesn't have the same. There's never ever been a sense that he was ready to commit to OU, right? So, yeah, you know, but you know, so that's a little. That's a little bit of But back to your point on like perception versus reality. If we take Williams Nowary at his word, then what recruiting recruit folks, including us, were led to believe is. He was never ready to commit to Oklahoma. Well, okay, all right. Well, I, I, regardless, okay, it's it's a negative. It's a bad. It's a it's a loss. I don't think it's the world's bad. The world's worst beat in recruiting. No, no. I mean, yeah, it's similar it's, to Williams, right? Like, if Oklahoma lands Danny Okoye and you said, "Okay, we miss Williams in January, we get Danny Okoye." Okay, well, here's ten. Here's nine point five. It's probably somewhat similar with McKinley yeah. and and Nigel Smith. Hey, you miss McKinley at ten. Well, here's Nigel Smith at eight. Like, it's not going to be the difference if both of them reach their potential. Again, though, it just goes back to recruiting's well, a numbers game. Recruiting's a yeah, numbers you, game, and it's a game of odds. So, yeah, it's just. It's more to the point, you know, if you hit on Marcus Strong, okay, this is less of a big deal, right? If you if you add another piece to this class and they turn out they turn out to be a great player, it's a great evaluation. It's it's like, okay, but you can't keep you can't keep hoping that your evaluations are going to pull you through, right? Right. You've got to just you got to just make sure you seize you 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 have for every Marcus Strong, you have a David Stone, right? You got to make sure for every Tyler Wine, you have a PJ Adeware, right? You just got to make sure that you're you're not just fully you're not 
you know, because Kansas State does the best job with evaluate, does a great job with evaluations, right? And sleepers and and building, developing people, right? And then we saw their really their really good team go up against five star Alabama and just got, you know, the poleaxed, right, in the bowl game. Yeah. So it's OU needs to be adding elite guys. They have some elite guys, but you can never have a you can never have enough of them. So that's kind of the blow here. So obviously the best news of the last week, and since we last did this main podcast, we oh you got the verbal commitment from David Stone on Saturday. Uh, Caleb, I, I felt like we did 50 good minutes on that on Sunday. So if you haven't listened to our bonus pod episode and you really want to know our feelings about David Stone, please listen to that. Uh, the one thing I will say is that having watched a lot of footage and watched a lot of footage recently, um, I, I think there's a good chance David Stone becomes the number one defender in the country by the time the rankings are redone. So, uh, I, I would say that's the only thing I would say uh, moving forward on David Stone at this point is that I think if somehow he's a number 10 player in the nation on two services. I think he's somewhat underranked. So, Caleb, you have a, like a last last quick comment on David Stone? That would be – I would agree. I think uh, williams Noary is, is fantastic and really good. He's probably he, – he could be – in a discussion for it. Uh, he's so big, he's so agile and moves really well. So um, long, long. And he's really he's long. Uh, but, uh, he's not Williams is not, let's say he's not the twitchy athlete that like PJ is right. Like that again, PJ at times, it looks like he he's, you know, got springs implanted as an Achilles, the way he just jumps out when he moves, you know, Williams isn't that watching, David Stone at IMG and against some of the teams he's playing, I don't think even myself, anybody is recognizing how dominant he is against, again, other guys that are power five, division one, like top 250 players. He is, and he's doing it in a variety of ways. I think he's just, uh, you're probably in a discussion at this point of, we talked about this a little bit. I said with Tommy and, and he are, you know, top in terms of guys coming out, you know, he, he's got the potential. That potential impact. Yeah. He's got the potential. He's yeah. He's, he's, he's a top five player in the country all day long. Uh, and you know, he's probably fighting for that top three. He is, he's, he's, he's that good. So, I mean that, and that lessens any blow that, that McKinley has, right? When you're saying, okay, well, we got the best defensive tackle in the country. You suck yeah, when you get the second best. I think he's, I, based upon the film, based on the start of his senior year, I think he separated himself from uh, Justin Scott, the big defensive tackle from Chicago, who's really, really good. Oh, hands down, hands down. But, but more, I, I, more, he's, he's, he's more okay. of a power player. He's more yeah. of a power player. He doesn't, yeah. have the, the, he doesn't have the burst. And I mean, See. if you could line him up, to ju- if you could line him up, Next to David Stone, I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take that. I'm not gonna turn it down." But yeah, and, and my bias has the burst. And my bias, agree. My bias is for disruptive defenders and disruptive interior defenders. And when I look at yeah. you know Scott, it's more of like that's ah, probably a two down interior defensive tackle, and David's a, a three down you know terror. And even playing defensive end, and you go three line, you go three down lineman. You can even play him at defensive end, right? Absolutely. Um, that's what he flashed. That's what he definitely flashed in that game that we saw. It's like, oh wow, he could be a defensive end too. I hadn't quite factored that into his uh, his game. 
So the next big commit is Labor Day. It's Braden Blatt, the linebacker from from uh, from Washington State. Uh, we both love him. He's everyone's picking him to choose Oregon. So it would be a major up that upset for him to to choose the Sooners. Unfortunately, so are you taking two hits um, Labor Day weekend? McKinley and Platt, two guys we both would have loved to see in the class and would have loved them to be Sooners, but they're going other directions. So, uh, will you continue to recruit them? I think on some level, are there are there chances of flipping either one? I'm, I'm not. I don't see it right now, at least not initially. Then the next big name that is sort of on commitment watch, I think, uh, is Grant Bricks. He may decide he wants to take another visit or two to his final two of Nebraska and OU. Um, I'm hoping Nebraska's scintillating performance last night in Minneapolis uh, maybe maybe convinces Grant Bricks that he doesn't quite want to be part of the three-year rebuilding program that um, Matt Rule has on his hands at Nebraska. That that football game last night set back football about about five ten years. It was like Big Ten nineteen eighties football, you know, had traveled in a time machine and was was on our airwaves last night. It was, it was, it was some. I mean, the ending was exciting, but we well, I can't it, I, I, I can't exciting is perhaps a, a generous term. It was some terrible football out there. Yeah, I mean, first game of the season. The thing like that, if I feel. I don't know why I feel bad for him because at the same time I can remember them beating Oklahoma. What was like seventy three to thirteen or something? You know, yeah, sixty three. The Demont Parker. Yeah. Here. So it kind of yeah. you know at the same time like kind of screw Nebraska. Like if they get this, like <laughs> let them keep getting it. You know, honestly, and I like Matt Rule, but the, the wild thing is all this stat out there. I don't know if it's over the last five years. Maybe uh, Nebraska has lost twenty five one score games and in 16 of those they held a second half lead and fell apart like their ability to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory and just find ways to lose is oh, uh it was, it was oh classic last night last night it was just like it was textbook so well anyway this is not the nebraska football podcast so well, but Grant Bricks. You do hope you do hope that impacts Bricks a little bit, where he looks well, at I it hope, and is like, hope his dad, I hope his dad is able to say, "Son, this is not where you want to go to be developed. That offensive line is awful." This oh my god! Not- I was gonna I was gonna tell everybody this yesterday. Like, whenever one of the first plays I turned that game on was. <laughs> Jokingly, I don't mean. I, hope he's, I know his parents don't listen to this. I mean, who would, right? But the left tackle for Nebraska. I think yeah. he's listed at six nine. You know those things like, oh, you know, he's the guy's six four, but he plays like he's six two with great leverage. I was gonna say, hey, this guy might be six nine, but he has some bitch plays like he's seven foot two. Cause he I mean, he stands it as straight up, as vertical as it can get. <laughs> I mean, he looks like the stiffest human being you've ever seen. And I thought, watching that, I thought, man, I really see why they were throwing the kitchen sink at Walter Rouse, because they did not want to start him at left tackle. Uh yeah, I mean, poor, you know. Good for the kid. He's a Division One football player. We won't take any pot shots here on this podcast as much as I would like to make. It's funny you say that after I just did, but <laughs> it's, it's just as much as I would like to do it. At, uh, uh, show a clip of the Adams family uh, butler answering the door. Uh, we won't. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. So, okay, OU's taken a couple of hits at D line. So the question has come up: Is does OU have any more D line offers out there? And we know that OU's got 
Nigel Smith and Daniel Okoye out there. So the general answer I've been leaning towards is probably not. But everybody in the SEC is starting to offer this kid called Elias Williams from Hudson, Florida. And OU's starting to follow him. And I think an OU offer could happen. He's saying his highlights from the previous year, he was 6'4", 240. That's what he's listed in on, on the recruiting sites. And his junior highlights are pretty good. He's a big, kind of rangy, lean athlete. Um, he's saying now he's 6'4", 270. I'm like, okay. And he's still running a 4'7". So he's got a South Carolina offer and a Bama offer. So, And uh, he did obviously didn't come to any OU camp event to be seen. So maybe he's been to some of their camps and they've seen him and they're like, whoa, who is this kid? So keep an eye on that. And then a name we talked about during the whole portal nonsense in January was Michael Wokacha. Are we going to say Wokacha? You think that's right? The end's mostly silent? I think so. I can't believe you'd ask me if I think that's right. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's he, he's saying he's 6'5", 290. Uh, says he runs a 4.7. Had some good stats at Tyler for a short period of time. Pretty good film. Um, he seems to be back in play. He he says he visited Alabama in August, according to his social media stuff, which can't be true because that's illegal uh, with, if the NCAA is even paying attention to any rules, which they seem to be in some areas but not others. Um, so he, he may be back in play, but... Caleb, we we kind of we're kind of trying to figure out what what his story is, right? Yeah, I, I it's so just odd to me. He was a he was either a 2019 or 2020 graduate uh, signed with Northeastern Oklahoma in Tahlequah. Uh, so he's he's an older kid, you know. Obviously, COVID hit, so you know, he he left and then and landed at junior college and uh, ended up looking about an inch taller and about 20 pounds heavier. But I, yeah, I don't know for him to say he's got three years or four years left or, or whatever that is. My immediate, I joked about this beforehand is like, I would almost be concerned. Like, is there, is this a Mike Balgan thing where it's like, yeah, I actually did play year division two, but no, nah, I don't think anybody realizes that. So I, I've got well, not, not the 35 year old who played DB for Texas situation. Just no, a, who, <laughs> who played like five years? Like I'm going to change my name and go play five more. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's weird. So, but he's getting some play, and obviously he's a big kid. He's athletic, so at some point somebody's going to make some noise. Now, I I think I can say with with utmost certainty though that uh, former brief OU commit Illinois signee over the summer Lane Jenkins who joined the Illini out of Butler Junior College and was briefly committed to OU, uh, has left Illinois and, I, and is now in the portal. I, can, I think I can say with almost certainty the odds of OU going back to Lane Jenkins again are, um, if there's a number less than zero, please, um, uh, please DM me that on X. My, my, my Twitter is, uh, my X is CM underscore Sooners360. So, uh, but that's just uh, that's just the news there. So, and then we've got some just some commitment recap real quick. Nigel Smith is coming up on nine eight. Zena Umazulu is coming up on nine six, and we are waiting on a date from Devin Jordan. Uh, I don't know what's taking so long, but 
Uh, he's kind of working through some things. I mean, you know, that, he, that's certainly his right. But it, it seems like OU's done. He visited OU for the barbecue U weekend, and almost all of the kids that visited OU that weekend have either announced for OU or announced somewhere else at this point. So he's about the um, him and and another name we're going to get to. Uh, it's about the only name that's really still out there. So that's the that's all the OU recruiting news uh, from the last week. That's that's really that's really out there. So. We're going to go ahead and move on to the second segment and kind of go into some analysis and some and some deeper information. And Caleb, we're going to start with that with the second part of uh, our intro from the title. Obviously, it's game one is the this time twenty four hours from now. Uh, Sooner fans will either be t- booking national championship college football playoff tickets or or or, or fretting over a hundred other d- small little details, worrying that another six and seven seasons on the way, but. <laughs> it is the first official weekend, and we've got two big official visitors. So the first one, going to give you a little room to talk here because I know how much you love this guy. Danny Okoye is playing tonight. So for all the Sooner fans wondering why they're not seeing any social media about his visit, he's playing tonight. He'll get to Norman tomorrow morning, and that will kick off his official visit window. So Danny Okoye um, on campus. And his before we we thought he was a massive need before, and after losing William Winery, uh, his you know just like David Stone, his his profile has only increased. So, for all those who have missed some of our podcasts and missed us glowing over the kid, Caleb, can you can you give me your your heartfelt message for why OU needs to grab Danny Okoye and why we think he's special? Oh gosh. I mean, the special part's pretty easy, right? He's six four. He's maybe less than someplace six five, but you know, he's probably six four, two hundred and I think forty-seven pounds, right? I think he's posted that on social media on a scale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he, when you know, I interviewed him, when I interviewed him, that's what he said he was. Yeah. And it is a lean, muscled up, twitchy, two hundred and forty-seven pounds. Uh he, he's just, you know, he has got really extremely high-end tr- athletic traits, uh, particularly as an edge rusher. And I've said this a bunch, and I'm you know, going to repeat myself here, but it's just he is the best defensive end prospect the state of Oklahoma has produced in over 20 years, right? And, and so that's that's – that's not nothing. That is a big thing. He, you know, and, and you look at how he how he's developed physically. Obviously, he's got he's going to be a guy that's got to get coached up from a technique standpoint. But he he just possesses you know NFL caliber athletic ability, athletic traits as an edge rusher, and to have one of those in Tulsa, you just can't miss it, right? Like that's just something we talk about this a lot, or I do anyway, probably more than anybody else. But the region doesn't produce a ton of you know elite defensive linemen. So for years, for guys like, uh, you know, uh, where you have a guy like Danny Okoye and you have uh, a guy like Stone, you got to go get him. Yeah, I just think watching him on film, to your point, he he looks sped up, but he's not. Um, he his, his most recent, his like game one highlights, he's at wide receiver and it's like taking four guys to tackle him. Um, he's, you know, he played, he plays like, He's on the line. He's off the line for them defensively. He's playing really. Uh, he's just playing just such a physical game, and he just looks like if you could coach that up and 
have him focus on just defensive end. I, I think the the ceiling is this. You know, he's he's going to be easily six four two fifty five. Um, in college, I think that's probably kind of like an ideal kind of weight for him, so to speak. So he's going to be that big. Um, and he's just he's his acceleration, his burst is just, you know, if you can imagine PJ on one side and Okoye on the other, that's that's a def- that's a defensive end duo that will win football games for you. That's, yeah, he, he's a that, the, the, that the, yeah. the margin, the games you lose because those are your two defensive ends are national title games against the best teams in the country. Yeah, like that's it. That's it. You know, that's it. Yeah, to sum it up like real quick, similar to PJ in this regard, he is a he has the ability to win one on ones versus high level competition at a fairly consistent level. Right. Because he's just yeah, you got that that type of speed, that type of power. He naturally you watch his film, he does this unbelievably well, but converting speed to power. Uh and he's, you know, he he there's not a lot of offensive tackles. He's so quick up the field, you know, he, he can threaten them with speed and then convert it, get inside. He, you know, you, you get him, like you said, opposite of someone like PJ and with a guy like David Stone next to him or a guy like Nigel Smith next to him. And you start to get him in, in places where it's a lot of one-on-ones. And as we saw last year, right, you got to have guys that can beat a, yeah. beat his man, go make a play. Yeah. yeah. And then the next name is, is, is Daniel, not Danny. And he's a he's a good friend of the show, uh, Daniel Egan Kimmy. I interviewed him um, about a month ago, and since then he was we liked him, but he was kind of unknown a little bit. He's not unknown any longer. His profile has blown up. Uh, he's got offers from Miami, Clemson. I think he'll probably end up with a Michigan offer pretty soon. Um, and he's. You know he's already he's he's documented his trip, and it's funny because he starts at Heathrow Airport in London, then he's at then he's in then he's at Hartsfield in Atlanta, then uh, OU coaches are picking him up at like ten thirty at night. Um, uh, I think I know that flight. I've taken that flight from Atlanta to Oklahoma City to catch OU football games before. So he's getting into he got into Oklahoma City at like ten thirty, and um, you know he's he's just like he's super excited. He you know he videotaped his room. Giving us all the showing all the swag and OU's raising their swag game quite a bit. They uh, they used to do the giant cookie and now they're doing a custom cake that looks like you know um, Caleb. You know um, Brent gives the player the recruits a OU casino chip, poker chip, and he and he's like you know that reads all in. Yeah, it says yeah, it's say, all in. Yeah, yeah. So when you're ready to go all in, so the cake looks just like the chip. Ah, nice touch. Nice touch. So, um, so basically, it, it's kind of funny. He he's gone from well, you know, this guy's a project to to you know he's going to go to the Under Armour All American game. Um, it's it's crazy, Caleb. When you think about the last thirty days, what's happened to the Daniels recruiting profile? Hey, to me, all offensive linemen are projects, and those that aren't, like a Caden Proctor, I'm probably the only guy in the world <laughs> that sees him and is actually concerned on the other side of like, is he completely maxed out? Of and uh, is he already right now right, everything right. he is and ever he's, going he's, to be? 
and he's going to start for Alabama. That's that's the that's yeah. the word among among different yeah. folks. Yeah, yeah, on a team that's going to have to lean on the run game and you know playing Jalen Milrow at quarterback. So yeah, I mean we talked about uh, Daniel uh, a, a bit on here, right? And the tools, you know, uh, he. he just athletic guy moves well. He's athletic. Again, repeating myself there, but uh, long limbed. Uh, just one of those guys that uh, you know. And Barry, Barry and I have talked about this quite a bit. It was interesting, like when you really dig into like the development of offensive linemen, both through college and also through the NFL. Oddly enough, there's a lot of guys that are drafted late rounds, make practice squads year one or whatever that might be, and then you get into like year three, and they're so much better, and they're starting, and and they're well, the, pro the bowl Philly, guys. The Philly rugby guy, Kelsey. right? Oh, oh, the rugby guy. But I mean, Kelsey's similar to that, right? I don't think he yeah. started year one in Philly. They draft him thinking like, he's just got to get stronger. And, I, and that's where I was going with that is like, and, and this is what Barry and I were talking about, whether it's, you know, powerlifting or if it's bodybuilding, anything that requires a ton of like muscle development and strength, like those are things that just take years to develop. So it makes all the sense in the world that you get these offensive linemen that, hey, you've got the tools. You're going to be in our program for five years. By the time you're in year three, you're going to be a completely different human being than you were at 17 when you were in high school. And uh, so that's why I think oftentimes you want to ID guys like Daniel that are – you got everything else. You got the work ethic. You've got the maturity. You've got the frame. You've got the athletic ability. And uh, it's just about get you with a guy like Jerry Schmidt. Get you with a guy like Bill Biedenbaugh. And uh, our odds are really good that you'll you'll be a pretty good player. And I think he seems he seems to be wired that the odds are probably pretty good that he'll be a good player, whether he's in Oklahoma or or somewhere else. He's certainly. I mean, the weightlifting stuff he's showing in some of his Twitter little Twitter videos is pretty impressive. Um, you know, for a guy his size with his wingspan, uh, Barry says it's very impressive. So I'll, I'll default to his opinion. Um, uh, him knowing, him forgetting more about strength and conditioning than 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 certainly I know. But um, it, it's just surprising to me a little bit that you know it's like everyone's like, why the hell are OU offering this England kid? And now everyone's like, we got to get this England kid, man. We got to get this England kid. It's just funny in thirty days how you know. You know, once the kid gets a you know a Miami offer, or a Clemson offer, or maybe a Michigan and Michigan, you know Sharon Moore who's doing a good job at doing a good job at Michigan. Um, you know they've got the Joe Moore Award, and you know they look like they'll have another good o, good O line. So it's just funny he's kind of gone from you know everyone's like, well, why are we offering this Plan B guy from England? He he can't be any good, and it's like now he's visiting, and it's like, oh, we got to get the England guy. It's just it's 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 just funny how like you know the 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 opinion of the recruiting the recruiting fans on the message board. I don't blame them, right? I mean, you know, on the on on the face of it, OU was losing offensive line t- prospects, and then Bill Beatenbow offers a kid from from NFL London. Um, it, I, I can understand it a little bit, like, well, this guy's gonna be like playing D, right? You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, maybe Bill, you know, Bill may have problems in, in closing and landing some kids, but. He knows how to evaluate guys. That's that's not a problem for him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think OU's in a great spot with him. Uh, there's a number of forecasts and predictions out there. Um, he's, but again, his profile's blown up. He's all of a sudden gone from being, uh, you know, it was OU was battling Old Miss and Baylor, and now you know they're battling Clemson and Miami and maybe Michigan. So things have gone 
things have gotten a little tight there. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he's having a great weekend, but unfortunately it's not the 107 blazing degrees it was last week in the Oklahoma area. It's, it, Kayla, it's still blazing hot, but it's not like middle of the sun hot, right? I don't think it's middle of the sun hot today in Oklahoma. So um, got a chance to, you know, hopefully he won't, he won't, you know, first time, first thing about the only thing I'll remember about his Oklahoma visit was like 120 degrees, you know, down on the field of the, the game we got to watch. But I think there's a good chance that OU could pull away on both of these kids and establish a lead uh, that could lead to a commitment. Danny Okoye has moved up his his timeline a, a bit. I think he may he could com- I think he could commit by mid October. Well, so, the, the thing that I, I think is for me is interesting about about Danny and his timeline, and I'm you know I'm going to touch on like Zena deciding or, or you might may already have is just when you look at Zena was talking about like November again. He's moved it up too. It, you know, like you know if. Where things get interesting for me with Danny is, uh, so t- he most people think it's Tennessee, Oklahoma, Texas. Those yeah. are his top three. That's, that's the conventional wisdom. Yeah. That's the conventional wisdom uh, along that among those lines, right? Well, you look at Tennessee, and, and they've already got three defensive ends in this class. And this past week, there were a ton of crystal balls that came flying in for, which is oddly enough, funny enough for probably for Oklahoma fans, uh, USC's top ranked. Defender in their class, Camarion uh, Fountain, who's a defensive a end a out of Atlanta for, for a fountain for a guy named Fountain. we'll be on that bad joke from Atlanta right? again. Yeah, yes. from Atlanta. But you've seen a couple of guys, you know, flip uh, from from USC, particularly on defense. And yeah, there's a lot of people thinking, hey, you know, Fountain's going to flip to flip to Tennessee. Well, that'll give them four four edge players in this class. And like you've talked about a little bit, there was also another kid that reclassified and got yes. got early, there early, early. You know, Emmanuel, so Emmanuel Okoye from NFL yeah. London. Yeah. yeah. So you know, they really in the la- that would give them. In a six-month run, you know about five defensive ends. And Texas has already got Simmons. You know they go and they get Zena to play opposite. In that, really, it's a kind of a two-four-five, four-two-five. They play their edges, stand-up yeah. guys. Yeah. And uh, you know, and he and Zena be probably a decent fit in that. Does that? And I, I imagine Texas will still be after uh, after Danny, but you know, give Oklahoma a little bit more of a leg up in that race. So, you know, fingers crossed that they knock his, uh, his official visit out of the park and that yeah. David Stone continues to do work there. So that's the, that's the official visitors. So um, unofficially, there are two interesting players. So the first one is Michael Boganowski, the safety from Junction City, Kansas, who is down to OU and K-State, I think, but might take a visit to Florida State. That's a rumor floating around. And, and Caleb, a little bit like Devin Jordan, this thing's dragging out a little longer than we had thought. I kind of thought Boganowski would have been one of the July-August commits. Um, he was he was at the Barbecue U event. He's been to these places, both of these places, any number of times. He'll be on campus one more time for OU. I kind of think this is OU like, if we can't lock you down this weekend, we need to start. We need to start opening some things up at safety to some other kids. You're, you're, yeah, I think this is this is the window we gave you. That's eight weeks. If you haven't figured it out by now, and you've been back on campus one more time, we're still recruiting you. But just to let you know, we're start bringing other kids on campus. Yeah. No. I mean, 
I, I absolutely because because the other part of that is right. Like, uh, I think if I'm speaking clearly from my point of view and my thoughts on this, and not trying to put myself into how Oklahoma looks at it, uh, but from the outside, I look at this and you see a guy like Landon Cleveland at Mansfield who grew up an Oklahoma fan, I, I believe. Uh, he's committed he's to Oklahoma committed State. To, yeah, he looks great. He looks – if you told me, hey, Caleb, watch these two kids, what do you think? I'd sure come away saying, oh, you know, I, I sure do like Cleveland a, a, a notch better. He just he's, – he's, he's a more Center fluid. Center field safety. But at 6'1 and 185, he's going to be 6'1, 205. He's got the he is yeah. he's got the ability to play center field. Boganowski looks a lot like I mean, this is the point, right? Kansas State, I think, is recruiting him as a linebacker. Uh, I think to me, I look at him, well, I, I think, think they're saying safety now just because, well, oh, you said safety and he likes the thought of that. But okay. he, he, at K State, he'll play linebacker. Yeah. Let's not, yeah. let's not get ourselves. He's a linebacker at K State. Yeah. 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 And I, and I see him as like a cheetah at Oklahoma as a hybrid guy, right? I don't see yeah. him as a as a free Pure or strong safety. somebody safety. you want as a deep safety. Uh, and then you know we we chat we've chatted a little bit about this, and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole. Uh, but there also is the thought of hey, got him. Uh, you know, you or say him. We've already got Hardy uh, rather committed. We've got some of these guys. Let's we can go down the road and look for a senior that emerges, or there's a guy like Phil Sami. I mean, I don't not saying it's going to happen or I want right. it to happen, but Florida is legitimately legitimately looking at the potential of maybe winning two or three games, and if they hit three, they're going to have to upset somebody to hit three because <laughs> Vanderbilt's better. Well, it's it's going to be it's going to it's going to be as as my as my brother would describe, but I'll use his his phrase. I mean, we're looking at some taffy pulls between Missouri, Vandy, and Florida this year. I mean, yeah, really no, bad. I mean, they looked they looked like a bad pack twelve team last night against. Well, it's wild because Utah. I mean, they looked they looked terrible. They looked unathletic and badly coached. And against that, a Utah well, like, team that was missing their starting quarterback and multiple starting defensive players, one of them being their best, their best tight end. Yeah. And their best, their best defensive lineman, edge player. Yeah. So, like you're talking about, you're missing their best offensive player, quarterback that makes the whole thing go. It, I mean, it just looked like they trotted out their second team in a scrimmage and beat handedly, handily beat Florida's first team. And maybe Florida gets a lot better, but you look at their schedule. And, you know, I'd, I'd say only McNeese uh, and, and Charlotte are games you would say they will win those games. I would say Vanderbilt, Missouri. Probably coin toss, and the yeah, rest of yeah. that schedule. Bad, 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 yeah. King, bad King yeah. tosses, but yeah, yeah. Man, and the rest they, could the- get, they could get embarrassed by some some like Tennessee could like drop fifty on them if Joe Milton is playing quarterback worth a damn. I mean, they yeah. look te- they look they look terrible. I mean, I was like, if- this is this. I mean, and then I looked at their recruiting stand. I'm like, can you can you go three and nine and have a top five class? Is that is that possible? I think it'd be tough. I think it would be tough. I think you'd see them lose some kids and Phil Sami being down the road just in McKinney. You would think, you know, Oklahoma maybe got a good chance. Uh, that might be someone uh, that, you know, you could potentially flip. Maybe not. But, yeah, I, I, it just goes back to Boganowski. Kind of start to reach the point of uh, – you know, hey guy, it's 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 time to give us some indication of if you're we, coming this way or will, not because we've got to go other ways. We will continue. I mean, Grant Bricks is six foot is six foot six, two hundred and eighty pounds, and ninety pounds could be a 
all American left tackle, right? You're 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 a you're six two, one hundred ninety five pound hybrid safety. Um, th- th- yeah. there, there's just there's I mean I'm just I, I hate being blunt like this. I don't mean it to be mean. We don't want to be mean here, but there's there's just different levels of we're willing to put up with um, you dragging your feet a little bit more. It's like oh, you will continue. You know, taking if William Swideri's taking OU's phone calls, they'll continue. You know, placing those calls, right? That's why, right. Why not? Why not? Um, we don't think there's a flip happening there anytime soon, or anything like that. But I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? But you know, uh, Michael Boganowski commits to K State. You, maybe you just move on. So the other guy is perhaps. I mean, there's some there's some pizzazz to the other guy. There's some there's some sizzle to the other unofficial 24 visitor, Caleb, and it's. It's Terry Bussey, who I can honestly say I'm stunned we're talking about him again. I thought when we left Terry Bussey, it was mid-June, mid-July, and I was expecting a Texas A&M commitment any week now. Now, he has now gone through August, didn't commit to A&M. LSU apparently has made a, made a run. Um, there's been a great story. If, uh, it's a great story about um, uh, Bussy online about the struggles he's gone through, really bad family situation. Well, really makes you want to rough. cheer for the kid. Uh, even if he went to AM, I think I might still cheer for the kid. And I think that's like a first. Um, and he's, he sounds like just a great kid, but he's back in Norman again. Uh, OU's pitching wide receiver. OU has five wide receiver verbals. I've never heard of anybody <laughs> taking six wide receivers. But if you were to get take a six wide receiver, Terry Bussy would be the guy I would take. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, cause his special teams play and he could always be an elite cornerback for you too. If you just decided that wasn't working. So it's like, he's an elite athlete, right? He's just a five-star athlete. Uh, just an amazing player. So he's back on campus. I don't know why he's back on campus. He's got a couple of official visits coming up. Is this a long shot? Yeah, probably. But you know, Terry Bussey's kind of doing the dumb and dumber thing with us. He's he's kind of telling us there's a chance. Is there a chance? Yeah, we, there's, there's a chance. Are you telling me there's a chance? Yeah, there's a chance. So, um, and maybe there's more of a chance after this weekend, but it's an interesting visit, one that I just did not think was going to occur. Like someone said, oh, Terry Bussey could take an unofficial visit to OU. I'm like, well, sure he is. You know, he's, he's also officially visiting Bama and somewhere else, and then he's going to try and visit A&M and LSU again. It's not, you know, it's not enough weekends before he announces this isn't going to work, but he's, he's here. So, uh, well, more power to him. I hope OU has a good visit with him. Uh, I, if I'm Terry Bussey, I wouldn't be concerned about the other wide receivers OU has because, you know, Bussey's a five-star wide receiver. He's a five-star athlete. So Terry, don't worry about the other five. Just you want to be a sooner and you want to, you want to be in Emmett Jones wide receiver room. You, you go, Terry, we'll, we'll make the. Six wide receiver numbers work out. They'll just work themselves out. Don't worry about it. So, uh, Caleb, we haven't talked a lot about him. Do you have like a, you know, I'll give you a little depth here, a little time to talk about. Well, what do you think of Terry Bussey? I mean, he's a, he's a five-star uh, skill player, you know. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's really interesting because of how thickly he's built and how powerful he is when you watch him run. He's a you know, small guy, but him. he's powerful. I mean, I guess he, that's the thing. He, I guess he's – how what is he, 5'11"? Uh, yeah, you know, 185, 190 but, maybe. 
to, to me that's thick in the sense of like yeah, he how physical how physical of a player he is. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, you see him. They, they line him up everywhere, and he's just that high school guy that's like he's better than everybody else on the field. We're going to get him the ball as much as we can in every way, in every way, shape, and form possible. And you see him. I had a I had a buddy that I played football with. He played high school at six man, and I remember seeing his film, and it was the wildest thing because anybody that was fast enough to catch him, he's about six foot five eleven, probably about one hundred ninety five pounds, right? If anybody was fast enough to catch him, he ran through them like a wet piece of paper, right? He just <laughs> just I mean would rip their arms off. Anybody that was big enough and strong enough to actually bring him down didn't have a chance of catching him. And that and Bussy's almost that same way. All these guys, all these defensive backs, he just runs through their arm tackles, right? Any of these guys that can, you know, uh, that really actually get up to him, he just run through them. And anybody that's like big and stout enough, hey, I get a shot on, him, I'm going to break him down. You're never going to get a shot on him because he's going to be by you, you know. So uh, he's he's yeah, he is a five star guy. I I'm amazed that they're bringing him in, but I guess shooters shoot. Right, taking their shot on that, yeah, because uh, they do. They have a ton of guys, a ton of guys, you know. And admittedly, Ivan Carrion, he could grow into who knows what, right? He could grow into yeah, we'll, a tight we'll talk end. About so him in a minute, that's yeah, possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's got three um, fantastic receivers committed in the twenty-five class, and then you've got uh, Isaiah with Mosey another, with out the fourth, there, with the fourth lurking out there, and yeah. or Andrew Marsh, or, or yeah. maybe the guy from the kid from California. So. But you never, right, uh, you never, you never, never go broke taking a profit. There you go. We'll we'll stick with that. Um, all right. So there's a couple. I'll just I'll just run through some names real quick, uh, Caleb. So some other names are going to be on campus. Kamori Moore is going to be back on campus. The defensive tackle from Lee Summit North. Um, Kevin Sperry will be back on campus again, leading the Pied Piper of 2025 kids. So Nate Roberts will be back on campus. It's really. I think it's a good sign OU's keeping that momentum going with Nate Roberts, the tight end from Washington, Oklahoma. Um, Michael Fasusi is going to be back on campus again, the all-everything tackle from uh, Louisville. Uh, and then uh, C.J. Nixon is also going to be back on campus, and he's probably the number one in-state player that OU may have the, the, the biggest battle with. He's just... He's got the basketball side of this. OU wants him at defensive end, and maybe he's a tight end. And apparently he's got some connection. You know, he just got a Georgia offer. Um, everyone's like, somebody posted me, you got a Georgia offer. I'm like, relax. Everyone's going to offer this kid. It's just, it's just going to happen. Yeah. You know, he's, every, everyone's offering him. So, But it's good that he's getting back. He was at, he was at OU summer camps, and now he's back first weekend he can. So I think that's a good sign that OU's building some momentum with him. Uh, and then um, to 2026, Colton Yarborough, the uh, defensive end uh, from like the Durant area, who works out the same group with uh, that, that Davian Sims does, and he's he's young, but he's like already six five, two twenty five, and he's got huge wingspan to him. So they, he's an interest interesting prospect. So we're going to move to a to a to a, a segment we're going to call, which I'm going to call depending on the night we call, we record it. But tonight it's called. Friday night pod lights. So I'm going to take what I think are the, the highlights from OU targets or commits uh, from 24, 25, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. So um, I can't, so since it's in a bad play off his name, I don't think I can eat crow about Ivan Carrion. I think instead I have to eat roadkill, right? 
<laughs> yeah. But game one, I'm kind of eating some crow because his film from his game the other night is was pretty damn impressive. He went like six catches, two TDs for nearly 200 yards. And Caleb, he looks bigger, faster, and more athletic than he did last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kid just continued growing to his body, I think, in some ways. he. Uh, I really like, you know, I think we saw the same stuff I did, the shots that you get that are field level, you know, because particularly a lot of these high school football stadiums in Texas are, are really big, obviously, right? Like, yeah. you get some out there in West Texas, the stand, the grandstand, you're getting this shot from you know, 500 feet. It's just little guys running around out there. When you get that shot from field level and you get an idea of just the size that, that he is. And, and then, like you said, how well he moves at that size, you realize, okay, no, he is, he's six, six and he is two Oh five. And he's just running by folks. Uh, that's why I say, I, you know, if you told me he grew into a six, six, 240 pound tight end, I'd say, yep, probably. Uh, he's, uh, it, it was really six, good stuff. Six. It's, or he's a 6'6", 225-pound just matchup nightmare. Yeah. Matchup nightmare. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he has yeah. one he's, catch. He's, he has one catch where he, he – it's, like it's like a slant or something, and it's like it, – I can't believe he actually caught it because he's like grabbing it. It's a bullet, and it's away from him, and his, his arm reach is like absurd. And then he kept – but then he kept his momentum, and he just flew. He never broke stride catching it, and I was like – how in the world did he a, catch that and then keep his uh, agility going to just keep moving? I was just, I mean, he had some huge plays, which was just like stupid highlights. But that one was, you know, to me was like, it was like, wow, how did he pull that? Up? His hand skills must be great because that ball was nowhere near him and it was flying past him. So, I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm, I've, got, I've got my plate of roadkill for Ivan Carrion. Right now, if he keeps this up, Caleb, I, I think he's under ranked right now. You know, so it, I, I can see funny. him being top one fifty, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, I, you know, I was going to say is in some ways he is the polar opposite of Marvin Mims, but it's very similar to me. Where Marvin Mims was this undersized, they didn't think he was very fast in high school, and he's what five yeah. eleven or whatever it was, maybe one hundred seventy pounds. But he was just setting records like crazy and unbelievably productive. And Ivan's kind of the, he's the exact same in that regard. It's just at six six two oh five, you're like, oh, is he actually fa-? same thing, right? Uh, he's how fast is he? How's this going to translate? But he's going to break every single. He already has <laughs> broken like every single West Texas receiving record. He's going to set some. You know, May has the potential yeah. to go after some state he, records. Odessa, like, Ode- Odessa, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, remember, everybody, Midland's where you go to raise a family. Odessa's where you go to raise hell. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he is uh, <laughs> a little oil and gas talk there. But he's just, he's, he's unique. And uh, I think sometimes, and I'm, guilty of this more than anybody you get caught up looking at oh traits and how who do i give this comp to and how does he compare and how does he project and you forget to pull back and go like oh wait a second he's a really dominant football player and they're playing the game of football so yeah so the other the other kind of cool highlight uh over the last week was 
Davin Mitchell playing defensive end and ragdolling quarterbacks. It was kind of crazy to see. I was like, well, first off, I mean, he, you know, I, I love that he's doing that for his team, right? Playing defensive end, playing both ways, right? Because because he could easily big time right. and say, you know, I, I don't need to be doing this. I've already got my OU offer. I'm a five-star guy. You know, I'm, I'm your big playmaker on offense. Yeah. Hey, hey, son, we need you in there on defensive end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good, guys. Guys, I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but he's out there, and he, and, he, and he looks so explosive and powerful at, de- at defensive end and just ragdolled a couple of quarterbacks. I was just like, okay, is, is you know, could he be, a, you know, you have, that, you have that psychotic moment where you're saying, could he be a defensive end? We just lost, uh, we just lost Winery. Could, could he be a defensive end? It's like, shut up, Chris. He is your elite playmaking tight end for your five-star quarterbacks for the next three years. Don't don't think you're don't 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 get that in your head. He's a tight end, but it was just I just thought it was great to see him, and it's just another example of what the kind of athlete he is. Yeah, that was um, my thought. You, right there, you nailed it. Is it's just a it's a good example of hey, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm faster, I'm more twitchy, I'm just kind of a better athlete than a lot of these other guys out here. So put me wherever and I can I can go make plays against you know whoever's across from me. Yeah. I've never, I'm not really been defensive in that moment, but how hard can this be, right? I've blocked these guys all day. <laughs> I can, it's like, yeah, yeah. He, he's like, I can get around them. And if I can't get around them, I can go through them. Yeah. Or I'll just throw them, I'll just throw them aside. So that's right. So go, talking about offensive line. So I know, you know, a specialty for this pod, and I know one of your favorites. So um, Eugene Brooks had his first game, and he was uh, fortunate enough to be reviewed by Greg Biggins, who's the 247 West Coast guy. And has been a long time recruiting analysts. One of the best guys out there has always done a great job on the West Coast. And I'm going to paraphrase um, Greg's um, uh, review. He said he thought that maybe Brooks was the best offensive lineman on the West Coast, that he was the best run blocker he's seen. Oh, wow. And that he was playing left tackle and looked athletic and comfortable doing it. So. And he said he looks great with all the weight he's lost. So Biggins has obviously tracked this guy for a couple of years. So uh, Caleb, if, if if Brooks is playing an elite left tackle, that's that's a pretty good sign for what's been going on with his offseason development. Uh, those are, I mean, I didn't realize that uh, that, that Greg had, had said that because uh, that was a game. It was a game where they were playing. It was Chatsworth who's loaded, and they were playing another really good California team. Have a yeah. lot of people, a lot of power five, group of five players on it. So he said there was like, he said there's probably 18 kids out here with scholarship offers, and and Brooks is one of the couple of guys standing out. So like, That's oh, impressive, wow, okay. right? Because you know, I mean, just down, just modern day has got two kids that are top. Well, one of them's some services. I think Baker's at what a five star, yeah. uh, and then then Carter, he's uh, got offers from yeah. everybody, you know, Georgia. Yeah. So. I, to me, the thing, and I saw some of the clips and how he looks physically. I think you just love to see like the continued trajectory. He's just, you know, bad weight continues to fall off. And like that was one of the things I commented the first time I watched this film was like, to me, you saw immediately, oh, that's a really athletic kid. It's like I joked, like, that's a skinny kid in a fat kid's body. Well, when he's right? playing H back and they, and they move him across the formation, he's just blowing people up. I'm like, yeah, he, what he, the he, hell? 
you can tell he's got a, he, he knows how to move. He's just a really, he's a good athlete. And as he's continued to get his body, just sometimes all these kids, right? Just, it's just maturing. It's just as you, yeah. you know, big kid, as he gets older, baby fat falls off, he gets stronger, adds, as muscle. I mean, to see that he's just continually getting better. I like, I love the kid as a guard, uh, but yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, and maybe it makes me feel better. But I think the high end comp I gave was like a was like a Cody Ford, you know, uh, which is his his ability to move his feet and pass pro. Uh, but he is a you know heavy handed kid inside. That's uh, it makes that it really makes Oklahoma landing him look even all that much better. Yeah, um, just one last comment from 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 Biggins was that he he felt that. Um, that his just his conditioning, he his conditioning was just in so much better shape. And he said he he was playing his run blocking was was nasty. He said he's he's not getting fat, he's not getting flags, but he's he's taking it right up to that point. Oh, that's and fantastic. I remember, and I remember watching a, a highlight where he buried a kid and just and then offered to pick him up. And the kid was like, You just you just humiliated me. I, I don't want your hand. And he's like, you know, <laughs> sort of slapped it away. So all right. Well, we've got to we've got to talk about the preferred walk-on kid, the duo, both kids who've just had big games. So the first one is is Bergen Kaiser at Santa Fe. Uh, apparently, blocked the game-winning field goal, had multiple sacks and multiple tackles for loss against Jenks. And his film, he looks pretty. I mean, he's playing high, but Caleb, he he looks like an absurdly good preferred walk-on option for OU. Oh, you know, he he is. I mean, I think he had multiple. He has multiple Division One scholarship offers. It might be in the double digits. I think Tulsa was after him really hard. Oklahoma State offered him a scholarship. You know, I don't know if they landed some kids and and went another way, or if he just chose Oklahoma. Not a hundred percent sure there, but he had. He was, you know, again offered by by Oklahoma State as a defensive end. Uh, he's. It's. I'm, I'm probably as much interested as anybody in seeing how he develops, particularly with Jerry Schmidt. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll see what what Chavis can do with him. But just seeing how he how he develops with Jerry, right? From a flexibility standpoint, ability to play with you know better pad level because he's got a great motor. He's 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 really good with his hands, which is actually really oftentimes rare for high school football for really good high school recruits because you know oftentimes you'll get guys who are I just run by you, you know, they don't uh develop maybe some of the the moves uh and, and some of the just, you know, core techniques with their hands, but you see that right away. So yeah, I mean, it's uh the whole the whole preferred walk on thing and what they're what they're doing right now with going out and getting, you know, other Division One scholarship players and convincing in state kids to go to Oklahoma as a preferred walk on and then try to earn a spot doing that. It's uh it's impressive on a couple fronts because I also think it speaks a lot to a guy like guys like Bergen and Andy Bass's their mentality of saying you know what. And not only do I want to be at Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure I can go in there, I can kick that guy's ass, and I can beat him out of his position. And that just, to me, that just says a lot. Like it's, I think it's yeah. one of the things that everybody likes about Gavin Freeman is he just plays with a chip on his shoulder. I think if you could let him fist fight the Texas Tech head coach, he'd probably do it because the chip is just that big. He's just got that big of a chip on his shoulder. You know, not not that he should, but I'm just meaning, you know, he's he's uh he's out to prove a point. It appears, and uh, you know, you, you take that and you combine it with talent, and and you can usually bet on those guys to to do something. 
Well, you mentioned him already, and if he keeps this up, it's going to be like the Andy Bass podcast at some point. Um, he should pay us for sponsoring. He should pay us to be his – we should pay him. He should pay us. I'm not quite sure which way the money should go. But Andy Bass last night had 400 yards of offense, like 350 on the ground. Sorry, 350 in the air. Another like nearly you know, 70 on the on the ground. Had like a 90-yard touchdown run called back by penalty and then threw like a 90-yard touchdown pass right afterwards. Um, he's off to an absurd start. He, his team uh, beat OC, OKC Millwood, um, Jaden Nickens' team. Jaden Nickens had a good game, but uh, he can't play defense for them. And, and, and Andy, ba- Andy Bass is off to a stupid start to his, um, his, his senior year and just, uh, I mean, I, I, he sounds old locked into OU, and I'm, I'm all really happy about that. But, but you're a little keeps, worried, aren't you? I, if he keeps playing like this at quarterback, just someone who is <laughs> loses their quarterback late and is like, well, that Bass kid in Oklahoma is like tearing it up, right? Yeah, but he's, he's going to OU. There's no point in offering him. And then someone says, well, promise him he can play quarterback or something like that. I mean, he just – he, I mean, he's his passing game. According to those folks who've seen him year over year, is just is radically improved. But he was making plays left and right again, and and his Heritage Hall team, I think, put up forty two on um, OKC Millwood, and he was responsible for six of those touchdowns. <laughs> he's a one man, uh, one man show. I, you know, to to me, the thing with with Bass is, uh, and I. I Talked about how much I like him, you know, when he committed, and how if he told me, "Hey, out of this class, he's he's going to be one of the impact players on offense, whether it's receiving special teams and running the ball at running back." I'd say absolutely. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not real sure. I know I think that one of the things is like, hey, you know, the ability to come here as a preferred walk on, work in, and get a scholarship. You know, I'm not so sure that if there's some kids that transfer out here in you know December that he doesn't get that offer, he doesn't get that scholarship by the time he enrolls. They, they don't move it. They just don't move it over directly. Yeah, yeah they don't yeah. move it over directly because because you know you, you nailed it there. He's a uh, he's just that good of a football player. He, he's another just, good example of like where I'm a little bit shocked that like a school like Oklahoma State wasn't just absolutely all in. Like we've got to have you one of the centerpieces of of their class. But he he may I don't know. He, I think his dad did go to Oklahoma, so he might just be a legacy. And you know, hey, I'm going to be a sooner. If nothing else, it looks like a terrible evaluation by other teams in the region. <laughs> you know what? You, you know it, what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, I mean, he's playing. I mean, again, I'm just, I, you know, when you hear preferred walk-ons, you know, you have like kind of an expectation. I'm like, okay, all right, you know, maybe he's from, maybe he's from like, you know, he's he's like from Winnie Wood or like James Allen, you know, or just. Dewar, Oklahoma, you know, where, um, you know, just a small, small school, eight-man football, the eight-man football guy who you got, I'm like, okay, it's eight-man football. I can see how everybody's missed on him, even though he's he's six, seven, and he's an amazing-looking athlete. Okay, I can see how you missed on him, right? But, I mean, he's at Heritage Hall. I mean, he's at he's in Oklahoma City. The Heritage, I, I really think the Heritage Hall thing plays against him because, I, you know, okay. Sterl, right. Sterl, cause, you know, you look back on it, right? Sterling Shepard ended up being a four-star recruit and was a big-time recruit. He was not that guy until he had already committed to Oklahoma and ESPN. And who's the recruiting guru? Luganville. 
Luganville. I can remember this. You know, everybody kind of hates on him. Oklahoma fans should 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 give him some props here. I can recall they went to and they did one of his games, and he was dominant. And I can remember right. Luganville on the sideline talking about this kid, Sterling Shepard. He's like more, he more is, dominant than his running back teammate, right? Who was saying that's exactly kid. why they did it. Now it's all coming back to me now. Yes, exactly. that's why they went. Is because it was Barry Sanders Jr. Barry Sanders Jr. We're here to see Barry Sanders Jr. And Lugan Bill down on the sideline, once he saw Sterling Shepard, he was immediately going, this kid's amazing. He's one of the best high school football players I've ever seen. And I think everybody else from the outside is looking in and they're saying, let's be honest here, right? They're saying, white kid, private school, Oklahoma City, not great competition. We'll, we'll go find this kid somewhere else. And I talked about this last time where me, I'm setting Matt going, and it was similar like with the whole Gavin Freeman, Cole Adams thing. I'm like, I'm watching every Oklahoma fan throw a huge fit over, why haven't we offered Cole Adams? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, he's 5'10", 175 pounds. He runs 11, 200 meter. And you're telling me you want, you're dying. You know, the coaches are fools for not offering him, but they're fools for taking Gavin Freeman, who's 5'9", 170 pounds, and runs 10'8", right? And who's making plays everywhere. It's like, oh, well, one's up playing at Owasso, and one's playing at Heritage Hall. And like, I get it, but he's dominant to the level you would expect a guy like that to be dominant. And that's what, to me, Andy Bass is. You watch Andy Bass, doesn't matter who he's out there against. He is He's dominant. The dude knows he yeah, kid knows how to compete yeah. and get after it. And again, I, you know, he's just a guy like you know. I, I kind of hope Oklahoma can keep him as a preferred walk on because that means they can go get a scholarship somewhere else and it makes the overall team better. But uh, my full expectations are he is a he's a multi year contributor, potential starter at whether it's like inside receiver, uh, whatever. He, he's 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 going to be a he's going to be a guy that's going to leave his imprint and impact the Oklahoma football program, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, my main point is just like, guys, you 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 knew he ran a ten five this spring. How how have yeah. you missed this? I mean, yeah. it's like, did you, I mean, how are you how are you missing this? If you're if you're you know, obviously K State offered him. They they figured it out right, and that doesn't right. make him. That's not a surprise, right? That staff, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But you know, it's just it, I think he's going to make a lot of people look very foolish um, come December. Um, so we'll see, Andy. Um, you know, reach out if, if we need to uh, talk about some sort of a uh, cross promotional deal. If we keep talking about you on this podcast, <laughs> all right. So, Caleb, I'm going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to do not your usual season predictions because I think we've got something coming up for the site uh, after the the Arkansas State game that we're going to do. So, I got some slightly different pr- pr- predictions for you. You and I will go. You'll get to go first. So. If I had to ask you for your offensive transfer of the year, who do you, you could go a couple of ways. You could tell me who you think it would be, or you could tell me who you wish it would be. So go which go whichever way you want. Yeah, that's a good question. I, and funny enough, the the way you phrase that for me, it's actually the same guy, okay. uh, and it's it's Andrell Anthony. You know, I think uh, you know who I who I hope that it is, and uh, and who that I who I think that it is. You know, the more I dug into his time at Michigan, the more confused I got. <laughs> to be honest with you, I mentioned this in our in our mod chat. 
you know, he flashed in a big, big time way and he kind of flashed everything you want to see, right? Like, Hey, can you show me a guy that's got great body control and can make competitive catches in big moments? Yep. Can you show me a guy that can separate, you know, on, on, you know, uh, on various routes? Yep. Can you show me a guy that can just catch it and outrun everybody? Yep. Okay. And then when I dug in more, the stuff that was being said about him by both Jim Harbaugh and the receivers coach, I mean, the hype train going into Michigan's 2022 season was really big. They all expected Andre Anthony that, you know, Harbaugh and the receivers coach preseason said he is Braylon Edwards. He is that good. He's gonna. He's he's the next Braylon Edwards at Michigan. That's why he's wearing number one. Anybody that knows kind of the history of that that receiver number, that number at the University of right, Michigan, that's, that's the it's big a big receiver. deal. Yeah, and Chris, it was you know, um, Anthony Carter, Anthony yeah. Carter, AC back in the day, all the way, yeah, all the way back, right. All the way back, it's it's a it's a it's a big deal, you know. And so, the, I mean, and then Harbaugh preseason said, "Hey, Andrell Anthony, you, yeah, he he's he goes, he is, he's 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 an ex Braylon Edwards. He goes, Andrell, keep doing what you're doing. You're on the path for greatness." Don't know what happened. Don't know if he was dinged up. If it was well, soft he got hurt. tissue. He got hit the ankle yeah. injury, right? He got yeah. hit a, a sprain. The typical, you know, the the high ankle sprain, right? That the you can't. It just takes forever to recover. You never quite recover from it. You re-injure it. Yeah, and, and so uh, to me, he's he's a really big piece of the offense because I think uh, you know we with Gavin Freeman, you've added a bunch of speed to the offense, right? With Petaway, you've added a bunch of speed to the offense, and with a healthy, fingers crossed, everybody, right? Nick Anderson, you've added size and speed to the offense. You know, and, and if I've said yeah. this a, a bunch, right? If you're telling me Oklahoma can, Oklahoma can go through the season with a healthy Andre Anthony, all 12, 14 games, 15 games, whatever it is, and the same is said for Nick Anderson, and the same is said for Gavin Freeman, I would tell you they've added a ton of size and a ton of speed. And that's what makes this offense yeah. go that so they the didn't ceiling. have last year. The ceiling, the ceiling on the wide receiver core is in those guys, right? Anderson, yeah. Anthony, Petaway, and Freeman. If those guys all start hitting, then all of a sudden, Dylan Gabriel could look a lot smarter and a better quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, so much of the offense is, you know, those wide, those really uh, wide receiver splits, right? It's about we're going to yeah. create one-on-one matchups and we're going to create vertical creases in the run game. We can exploit those. If you start trying to kick safeties and defenders out and trying to, you know, play over the top of our our receivers that again, a lot of it's, you know, it's vertical choice routes. If you're trying to do that, we can crease you with the run game. Or if you're trying to do that, we can get a guy like Gavin up the seam on you. Uh but you've got to have those guys on the outside that have juice. And the reality is last year, right. Oklahoma played three receivers and only one of them had any juice to run. And, and that was Marvin Mims. And so yeah. if you're telling me Oklahoma's going to have three guys that can run, I think it's a very, very different offense. So yeah, he's, I think he's an important piece. So you took my choice, which is good because <laughs> you know, that means, that means you're 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 smarting. You're getting smarter in these uh, in these little draft contests. Uh, it's, but I got to go with I got to I, I got to go with Walter Rouse, right? Oh yeah, good. Call. I think if Rouse if Rouse is truly the the bookend to Guyton, then all of a sudden and everything we're hearing is he's had a great camp. He looks great. He's more athletic than they thought. He's clicking with everyone. Leadership role, which is kind of a you know I think you know you can kind of you know put all these things together. But if he and Guyton are your bookend tackles that we think they can be, th- this offense, both in pass pro, because pass pro was a little leaky last year, 
Wanya wasn't quite the as good at pass pro as I think Walter Rouse can be more consistent. And I think run game wise, I think Rouse is going to be a lot more of a consistent player. So I think if you have and and if Guyton can hit his hit his throat, hit his ceiling, all of a sudden the OU line is is in is in pretty good shape. Yeah. So Caleb, your defensive transfer of the year. Who are you choosing? Who do you think it should be? Or who do you want it to be? Go either way on that again. Yeah, you know, I probably a little bit for me, it's uh who I think it will be. Uh well, I take that back. Now this is probably this is a difficult one because I really like two guys. I really, really do. I probably, from a want perspective, I, I want really bad for Trace Ford to have a full season where he doesn't have any injuries and he's fully healthy and he's happy. You know, it's life is life's difficult when you're a football player and you're banged up, and it's a it's difficult on your mental health. So I really want that for him. Yeah. Who, who I think it's going to be, you know, I'll, I'll go with Reggie Pearson and. uh I just, you know, the way Brent runs his defense is it it excels when you have aggressive, physical downhill safeties who can fill run lanes uh, and experienced guys who uh, Brent will talk about this a lot. And it's one of these things that, that makes his defense unique is some of the somewhat overlapping run fits, right? Hey, a guy gets hooked, you know, interior line, defensive lineman gets hooked. Okay, well, we're going to have the backer fill in on his. We're going to make him right. So the safety's got to be able to see that as he's coming down and, and, and fill off of the backer. And, you know, Reggie, you watch his highlights at both Wisconsin and everybody knows what he did at Tech, right? He almost killed Eric Gray and did the same thing, almost killed uh, Dylan Gabriel. He he coming downhill, he's what he's built. His game is he's, he's great downhill against the run, thumping on folks and uh, paired next to Billy Bowman, who's got all the range in the world and, and a lot of talent in his own right. I think it's going to help him excel that much more. I think it's, I think the, He's a great fit for the scheme, and he's a really good player. But I think all the the sum of everything else around him is going to help him excel that much more as well. Okay, well, I'm going to go good, good, good. I'm going to go with who I hope it would be. Maybe not who I think it would be, but here's who I hope. I hope Dejon Terry is the defensive transfer of the year because if he takes over at nose guard and is a dominant run stopper, maybe provides some push. On the pass rush, it's just it just solidifies that interior of that defensive line. Like you, I'm high on the defensive ends. I would choose Trace Ford, but I'm kind of afraid um, our Mason Thomas and PJ are going to eat into his sack numbers. Yeah. Um, otherwise, but I that's who I hope. I hope it's Dejon Terry that basically we're like, wow, that guy's a difference maker in front, and Lialu and Halton are doing a good job, and Gilliam are doing a good job. Um, backing up and doing all the other stuff so that, you know, you can say, yeah, I mean, man, Terry, first, second down, first two downs, people just aren't running on us because Terry's just blocking everything. And the linebackers, you know, due to that are eat, are, are eating, are just eating left and right. So, all right. Kind of along the same lines, difficult question. We'll go back to the defense again. Who do you think is going to be the, who would you like it to be? Or who do you think is going to be the defensive freshman of the year? Gosh. I'm going to go in a very odd one here. I don't think – so I'm going to go with who I think it's going to be, and I think it's going to be Josiah Wagner. 
Okay. If you yeah. can stay healthy, right? Yeah. 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 I think he's probably, probably, probably been nicked up a little bit. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you kind of touched on it right there. I think Oklahoma's got more depth at defensive end. I think it could easily be PJ. Kind of want it to be. Uh, you know, and I think with the depth of defensive end, it gives uh, Brent and, and Chavis a really good opportunity to say, hey, we're going to pick and choose when we play you, and we're going to put you in positions where you can really excel and you can be disruptive. Right. So it could be him. And then Peyton Bowen, I think, I've talked about this, right? I think he's the the definition of a five-star safety because I think he processes information like a, like a true five-star guy, and he's got the physical traits of a five-star guy with his speed and acceleration and range. But I mean, you know, for me, like Josiah, he's just wired to be that. Like, there's zero back down. He doesn't know he's 5'11 and 175 pounds. Like, you know, well, he's 180 uh, now. Apparently, 180. 180. 180. Like, he, you know, he, but you hear him talk, you know, you hear talk of like one of the first scrimmages they have him just decleating a 220 pound tailback. And people are like, oh, okay. Uh, I think it's been a really long time uh, since Oklahoma has had a guy that. Came in as a true freshman, and it was you plugged him in at corner, and he said, "Okay, there's a future NFL guy. He's going to develop, and he'll and he'll be gone." And I think uh, I I think Gentry will have something to say about that. But again, I go back to I don't think that Josiah has any. Uh, there's just no like back down doesn't even register. It's just compete. It's all. It's all. It's all. Okay. Um, I am going to go with PJ Adeware. That's who I want it to be. That's who I think it should be. I think as the year goes on, um, it just becomes obvious that he – second half of the season, I think offensive tackles are going to be like, who in the hell is that freshman and and how do I, how, how in the world do I block him? And if oh, you can grab some leads, especially with some of the games they've got coming up in the second half of the season that may be slightly tighter – Maybe you've got, you know, and we're, we're seeing the clock is we're seeing the clock difference already in the games, at least that I've watched, right? Um, yeah, they have been the clock, the clock, the clock, the clock, the clock difference is playing a role. Like you're up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden teams are going to be like, okay, we, you know, you can't just you can't rely on the clock to give you so many possessions to get back in the game. So I could just see some tight games where PJ is just. Is he's just sacking folks and and they're having a punt and and it's 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 those sacks that we didn't get last year that we did see in in twenty twenty one and in twenty twenty from Ronnie Perkins, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, those guys, right? Uh, we we got those sacks, those big game sacks from those guys, and uh, I think PJ is uh, that's who I want it to be because if if PJ's doing that, then things are things are trending in the right di- direction defensively. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. There's a there's a I I love to see PJ really come on and be uh you know it's it's this is, a, this is a mouthful for a kid that's never played football, but you know Texas left tackle Kelvin Banks, former five star, potential first yeah. round draft pick, uh you know, but he's an interesting guy because he's six four and he's not the longest armed human being on the planet, and PJ is, you know. He's in the running for the longest harm human being on the planet. Like it's it's pretty wild, right? Uh, how it, it's it's an interesting matchup, you know. As PJ starting to learn techniques and, and you learn how to utilize that length, you know the potential of Oklahoma's in a tight game. Do you have a guy where you can say, "Hey, we've actually got a unique matchup here because of his length and speed off the edge"? You know, uh, maybe a guy that 
you know, uh, lacks elite quickness and lacks elite length, that's his Achilles heel. So, and so you put the guy who has has those two things. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's like it's like a you know, it's like a you know, uh, an aggressive fighter versus a counter puncher, and guys just walking, yeah, yeah, walking into traps. It's a matchup nightmare. Yeah, Yeah. he's going to walk into some traps there. So, yeah, it uh, would be it'd be interesting. All right, so offensive freshman of the year. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm going to go way out on this one, right? I'm just going to go with who I hope that it is. Kate, Cade McIntyre. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> it's just, you look, they don't have a lot of depth at it. They don't, uh, they don't. They don't. And, I, and we've talked about a little bit before, right? Like his physical profile in terms of like height, weight, speed, strength numbers. I don't even want to say this, but it, it matches up with Brock Bowers. I'm not saying he's going to be Brock Bowers, right? Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. just mean but, that like, hey, Brock Bowers is able to hold up physically. And if Cade can get to where, hey, it's he's comfortable. Brock wasn't the biggest recruit either. No, he wasn't. He, I don't think he was a big five-star or anything like that. No, he was, was a three-star kid from Cali. From Cali. They, liked, yeah. they got him. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's there for the taking. And looking at what Oklahoma's got coming in and tied in next year and what you, what you need, I think it'd be a perfect world. So from a hope perspective, I love Cade. Uh, and, and I'd love to see him, you know, whether it's – Maybe by you know you start to roll into Texas, he maybe he's getting those reps and solidifying himself as tight end number two, doing some of those doing some of those Brayden Willis things. Absolutely, um, kind of that because we know we know who hit somebody. He'll hit uh, somebody, well, and he's really athletic yeah. too. He'll block, so. he'll block somebody. We know there's no doubt about that. So, all right, well you took the you took the the interesting path. So I'm going to take the super easy layup layup. Jaquez uh, <laughs> Petaway, right? Yeah, if Jaquez, if Jaquez is blowing it up on the field, that's a great sign, right? And I, I was talking to a senior friend of mine, and he's like, "What do you want to see on? What do you want to see on Saturday?" And I said, "I, I want to see a wide receiver take a short pass and go to that go to the house, right?" Last year, it seemed like all the we had big plays, but it seemed like they were mostly bombs to one to, guy uh, to Marvin to Mills. one guy. I want to see a, a, a 10, 15 yard pass to Jaquez Petaway. That he then takes fifty yards to the to the to the house, and I think Petaway and Nick Anderson are your two guys that are, you know, I, I want to see rack yards. I don't think we got like a lot of rack yards last year. We maybe didn't I'm wrong. At all. No, maybe no, I'm wrong they, on that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm imagining that. I want to see some rack yards, and I think Jaquez is your rack is the rack machine, right? You know, based upon high school watching him, I mean, he can do the deep route deep pass stuff with, you know, he can do that too. But um, I want to see, I want to see a, a quick 10 yard pass turned into a 50 yard play. It's funny. It's funny. You say that because I was, I was going to say one of the things I would expect from Saturday and I can just see this happening is uh, you hear how physical Nick Anderson is as a blocker on the perimeter. I can absolutely see Petaway being a type of guy that takes a swing pass yeah, Nick gets the block on the you know the the, the edge corner, and and Jacquez just breaks a tackle from the slot and outruns everybody else. Like he's, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's uh he he's another big piece of it. But I I absolutely I think can see that happening. Okay, well I added this last one in here. Maybe this isn't the recruiting pod topic, but I think it sort of fits in there. So Caleb, who is your comeback player of the year? Someone who at the end of last year, you were like, 
I don't want that guy playing again. I don't want him starting. <laughs> or, I, or he's, oh, he's never going to be anything. Don't tell me that. And then in December, we're going to be like, damn, that guy had a freaking great year. Yeah. Well, I, I, will, I will say this. I don't think there was – well, there was one guy I kind of made fun of for a play against Florida State. I, I, post, I posted a GIF on our board. Uh, but it was just – Oklahoma scored, but it was a rough play for him. But I'm gonna go the, the man the man to his uh to his left. I'm gonna say Andrew Rame. Andrew Rame has been Yeah, okay. He I catches totally by that. He catches I a totally lot of that. Yeah, he you know he catches a lot of flack uh from some fans that are just, you know, they remember that he was a top one hundred or whatever, maybe top seventy five recruit. Well, he, he's he's got hurt by the whole Creed Humphrey label, right? He's an ex Creed Humphrey, right? It's, it's a just, kid, center. You know, plays as a freshman. He's gonna be great. He's gonna be the next Creed Humphrey, which is an unrealistic bar, Com- really. Completely, it's, it's really unfair. And I, I think, and I kind of go back to something I said earlier in the podcast, and we when I talked about the importance of you know the long term development cycle of an offensive lineman because it so much is about you know the physical strength that you can develop, and you know this is the first off season that Andrew has had where he was able to go through at least almost all of it. He had the this shoulder surgery, right? But he got cleared and he was able to go through winter conditioning. That's why he had the shoulder surgery early. You know, it's just a kid that. That's why we didn't have him for the bowl game, right? We yeah, didn't have him for right. the final couple of games. Yeah. And so you and I have. A, it was a bad blow, but I'm like, you know, at some point you just got to take care of it, right? I mean, if, absolutely. if, he's, if he's playing 75% of himself, that's just not doing anybody any good. Yeah, and he was unlike Creed in that you know Creed walked in and I think uh, I think it was he walked in and was the strongest kid in the in the offensive line room and a lot of well, the well look at Creed had look at Creed who had Creed who he had around him too his first two years right right but I mean you know Creed walked in I think and he was you know you could put him on the bench and he was north of four fifty he's a yeah, extremely yeah, yeah, yeah. strong kid just even coming out you know so it's not fair but and the other part is you and I have talked about this um with a lot of this offensive linemen that are his age he also got hit with COVID so his first offseason he didn't have a summer conditioning. Right, he no. did, it didn't exist, and then it was with Benny Wiley when he did have the next one, and then he had the sh- injuries, and so there was this development that needed to occur, you know, from a, a physical standpoint that was really stunted early on, and so yeah, he's been a whipping boy for a lot of folks, and but you know, you hear that hey, he looks great, and I, I think I think having a, a very nasty, you know, and very physically talented guy like Savion Bird next to him, I think it's going to help him a lot. Okay. Um, my comeback guy of the year is also on the offensive line. Nice. And I think we may be – I think Cade Matoyer is going to have a very consistent, effective year at right guard. And everyone who – and he was a whipping boy. Let's just be clear. He, yeah. I mean – and he didn't play well either. So it's not like it was he was playing great and everyone thought he was playing badly. Um, you know, I, I wanted to choose Justin Harrington, but that that feel good story, I think, you know, is a little over that that bad wagons, you know, completely over overfilled. <laughs> there's no and more room for us to hop there's on. There's no that. more room. And I'm and I'm not on the Marcus Major bandwagon until he has four two hundred yard rushing games, you know, and he's to put four of them together. And I because Sorry, I'm done with it. Yeah. So I've got too much trauma over Marcus Major is the next, you know, Adrian Peterson or 
whatever he was supposed to be <laughs> it uh, was. coming out of high school. High school, So I can't be on his bandwagon. But I think Cade Batoya, when you just hear him talk about working out with Lane Johnson, he's went through another year of Schmitty. He's healthy. He's back at right guard. And some folks seem to think that's a better position from the left guard. I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm willing to give the kid a chance knowing that uh, if he doesn't become the comeback player of the year, um, Jake Taylor or Caleb Schaefer is just going to take his job. Hey, I will say this, and I don't know if I've I mentioned this in any of the, in the mod stuff, but uh, when Oklahoma first started practicing this fall and the pictures were coming out, and this is, this is, this is real, I remember seeing the pictures of the offensive line and saw 72. I was like, who is that? That kid's that's thick. The kid looks good. Looks good, at, you know, physically. He's like you can tell he's looks very dense and thick. Looks strong. I was like, oh, let me look at this. And I, I, I forgot it was Cade. And I went to the roster and looked like, oh, it's Cade Matoire. So I say that just to say that it does look like he has uh, worked a lot with Schmitty and as uh, a James Dobson and, and some of the other strength coaches, and he's you know really locked in. And uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm with you there. I think the offensive line has got the potential to be really good like really really good and I, and I think the formula is there in kind of a perfect way in in the sense that you know at left tackle uh, walter rouse is extremely talented and he's very physical in the run game but he's also he's got a ton of starts it's around 40 yeah. you know starts yeah. in college football which is you know about as you know almost as many as you're ever going to find and, and he's so him being right next to Savion Bird is going to help him so much. And the same thing with with Rame being being healthy finally and on the other side of Savion. So hey, here's Savion's you know one of the most talented guys on the team. Probably the only guy who's more talented than him in that offensive line room is the right tackle Tyler Guyton. But you're able to surround all that talent by some really experienced players. And it's kind of the same thing for 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 uh, Guyton on the other side where, hey, you got those five starts or whatever it was last year, five or six starts, because he got the bowl game as well as as well as all those games one day missed. Uh, but, you, hey, what you've got right next to you is you've got another guy that's got – I mean, Cade's got now, what, 40 – Plus maybe yeah, forty five yeah. starts, you know, pack pack twelve or pack two, whatever it is now. He's got you know, uh, but power five starts. So uh, and again, you know, kind of harp back around for like the fifth time on this of just you know, you give these guys more time in the weight room, more time to develop. It is a it is a position about moving other humans, other large humans against their will. So you know, you need time on it's- task. In the weight room. So developmentally, I'm going to throw a bizarre term at you. It's a little bit like, it's like plate tectonics, right? Yeah. You don't see massive moves in offensive line, right? Like the guys, it's just, you got to pay attention to all the incremental improvements. You do. Incremental, all the incremental movement. You know, it's not like defense on some defensive positions where a guy has an off season, all of a sudden you're like, it's like a Kenneth Murray. You're like, wow, who's that guy? You know, it's, it's a little bit like, Okay, it's it's you know it's a little bit of you know you don't you know Alabama's starting Caden Proctor and he you know as you, as you and I both know we followed recruiting on him we know that guy's a beast but a little of he's like you know Alabama sh- I know Caden Proctor is fantastic but Bama the way Bama recruits offensive line he should not be starting as a freshman yeah he shouldn't I would it's shocking that he would walk in and uh, yeah and and be that he guy he may be that good I mean. He could be that good, right? But you know, 
Bama has Bama recruits guys that you know, at a, you know who should be there should be a second you know there should be a redshirt sophomore right who's like yeah kid you're you look like Hercules but I I just know how to play O line better than you do right now at, on the college level right absolutely but, I mean but you yeah, know so it's you I look think, at I think you know it was an example that you know look look back at Trent Williams. Right. You know, Trent was at Oklahoma from 2006 to 2009. Okay. 2006, he was a rotational guy. He got some snaps here and there. Brandon Braxton breaks his, I think it was his ankle or his foot. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now we have to go with this guy. He's, he's really good, you know, but you know, he's, he's rotating with another really good player, you know, and he spent the next, he spent like seven, you know, he spent both 2006 and 2007 as a rotational guy. He's rotating with guys when they're healthy, right? Now, by the time eight, nine rolls around, he's one of the best offensive linemen in the country, right? He's really good in 2008, starting for you at right tackle, opposite field. But look, I mean, Trent Williams and Joe Thomas are the two best offensive tackles the NFL has seen in the last 25 years. And Trent didn't walk into Oklahoma and start year one, right? It took him a nice little runway to be that guy. So Alabama has better O-line depth than those OU teams, or at least the, they, they've recruited they have, yeah. to a better level. So, but I just think, Kate, and this is going to be, this is going to be kind of a cliche kind of old timey kind of viewpoint. And I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but it just seems like, it just seems like, um, Caleb, every great offensive line has like one super, one guy who's not going to make it to the NFL, who's just having a great year and is just playing great fundamental football and is just hitting people and blocking people and just kind of overachieving, right? Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, yeah. every great offensive line sort of has that one guy, right? The, yeah. The, you know, you got the, uh, the tackles of first rounders, the center is good, the other guards, you know, going to go to the pros, but you got the other guy is just, you know, he, you know, he's just, you know, he's completely underrated, overlooked, and all he's doing is just doing his job and doing it well. Hey, That's- you know, you look back at the Joe Moore Award line for Oklahoma, and it was Eric Wren, right? Hey, we've got yeah. Ben Powers. He he's really come on, and he didn't start the first. He's a good example of a guy that he, yeah. he didn't start until you know midway through his uh, sophomore year. Hey, right, and he's got these really good guys that are going to play in the NFL. They're going to be draft picks, and Orlando's going to be in the Pro Bowl. But the guy who's anchoring it all. It's just a really good college football player. Yeah. So, um, so I just, I just think, you know, give him, you know, I know he's been a, been the whipping boy and he had a bad year. He had a bad, he got he pulled did. a couple of times. He didn't have a great year, but you know, let's just see it's a new season. And if he's the comeback player of the year, that, that, that's, that means the O line's doing really well, right? If he's the, if he's the comeback player of the year for the OU squad, that means the offensive lines had a really good year. So, and I'm, and I, I don't, don't see how, if you tell me OU's had a really great year on the offensive line, I'm, I'm probably predicting OU's like ten and two, something yeah. something silly like that. You know? Yeah, I don't think it's all, all that right. silly, but I, I agree. Just watch. I'm, I'm blind watching the Georgia Tech game because you know being an Atlanta Tech fan a little bit, <laughs> and uh, they just Louisville just got like their third targeting call in the game. They, they're really <laughs> trying to knock. Really trying to do the TCU knock Haynes King out of the game playbook, oh, the TCU playbook. So, um, by the way, I, I, uh, if, if that does happen in the next OU TCU game, um, I'm officially asking Lewis Carter in retaliation to obliterate Chandler Morris. Uh, just you know, just Lewis, go kill, done. You know, 
This is the third time they've taken out our quarterback. Go, go, <laughs> go kill Lewis. Go, go kill Lewis. Right. Done. And then, and then, you know, um, put in, put in Jake Taylor and tell him just go, you know, Bush. Well, you know, actually, Kate, Mont- Kate, Kate McIntyre, go take out. Whoever did this from so. all from all the talk, I, I think if that happened, you're not gonna have to stick anybody in and say take them out. You're gonna have to get an attorney and say, "All right, make sure felony charges are not filed against Savion Bird for attempted manslaughter." Yeah, he's just, you know, yeah, he does, try uh, to, he might try to like rip somebody's Wookie, head off. You know, Wookie, you know, Wookies tear people's arms off. That's what Savion Bird's gonna do. Oh. So, all right, well, on that ugly note, but I I need to get that in because I've been thinking about it. This is the end of this podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast on your network of choice. We're on iTunes and all the other major platforms. We'll be back next week with another pod. And hopefully we've got some updates on recruiting visits and some other pieces of recruiting news there. Uh, I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst at Sooners 360. Please visit and subscribe. You're missing the chance to interact with Caleb and I on all things recruiting. Argue with us. Tell us how wrong we are. Uh, tell us, Ask us questions that we're not doing on the pod. And just have a chance to have just a really good conversation with us and other members of our board. It's a very nice curated experience. There's not a lot of, there's no idiocy. There's not a lot of BS and stupidity on our website. So thanks everyone. And I will, we will talk to you again next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.